Well, Laura, thank you for coming on. And obviously no one knows more about Afghanistan. We're giving you all the time. So just share your heart. There's no interruptions of what's going on, but you've been embedded with the Afghanis. You have people there that have unfortunately died. I want you to just give people the bottom line and thank you for coming on with us. Well, thank you both uh, for having me. So what I think that uh, people really don't understand about what's happening in Afghanistan is that there's, there's two really serious things. And one is that if you look at what Al-Qaeda um, Al and the Taliban are doing, they just had a big parade. Uh, they're parading their suicide bombers and everything else. And you can, this visual should tell you what the United States is creating. We are creating a terrorist super state. The, the world's leading superpower is groveling in the dirt at the feet of these terrorists, the same terrorists who were responsible for 9-11. And somehow we just think like we're skipping over the, you know, the almost 3,000 people who were murdered, all the soldiers killed since, all the soldiers have been wounded. And suddenly now um, the Taliban and Al-Qaeda and Haqqani and all of these people are our friends. And people will say, wait a minute, wait a minute, that's not the Taliban. Well, the deputy commander of the Taliban is the leader of the Afghan Al-Qaeda, the Haqqani network that has been a designated foreign terrorist organization since 2012. That's the United States government's designation, right? That's not my designation. And you know, you, if you talk to anybody in that region, you know, there's a lot of cross-pollination, they marry into each other's families, but most importantly, they all fly and, and follow the ideology of Al-Qaeda. And what people don't realize is being created, we, the United States, is about to recognize some of the holiest ground in the caliphate that Osama bin Laden um, planned all those years ago, right? The Emirates, the Islamic Emirate of the Taliban is the caliphate. And uh, th this is not the only one that they have been working on. They were establishing an Islamic caliphate in Libya, also called an emirate, and also in Syria, and in Yemen and so on. And in fact, if you go back into the writings of Al-Qaeda, and especially the leader of Al-Qaeda in Libya, um, you know, back in 2016, he's writing to the other jihadists saying, you know, we have an unprecedented level of support uh, from the Obama administration. We need to make a deal here at the negotiating table and get the Islamic Caliphate, um, get the Islamic Emirate established because uh, I'm not sure that any future U.S. government on either side in America in this election is going to be as supportive of the Emirates as these people are. Well, those very same people, right, Jake Sullivan and Susan Rice, those kind of people, they're back in power. And look what they're doing now. They're recognizing another uh, Islamic Emirate or Caliphate where Al-Qaeda is heavily involved. Some of the most senior leaders in Al-Qaeda who have been uh, in Pakistan for all these years have come back to Afghanistan now. Some of them uh, never left, many of their followers like Siraj Shakani. And you know, it is illegal for the United States under US law to negotiate with and support uh, terrorists. And yet that's exactly what they're doing right in front of our eyes with no regard for Congress, no regard for the law, no regard for anyone, no regard for the millions of Americans on both sides of the aisle, Democrat and Republican, who are not okay with being defined by betrayal and the blood of innocent people. The Afghans who died, uh, you know, around a hundred 
were killed. We don't even know how many people have died since and what injuries people suffered in that bomb that was that also killed uh, the U.S. Marines. You know, I mean, we are acting as if it's perfectly normal and reasonable to discuss what the Taliban's policy would be on the First Amendment and whether all these fledgling, you know, radio, uh, sorry, my microphone fell off, whether all these media organizations and journalists operating in Afghanistan today in, in, with the freedom that they've had for the last 20 years, what their future will be like under the Taliban. Are you serious? Like, what happened? Steve, you know me, right? Because I'm not very diplomatic. So I feel like somebody just sucked out our collective brain, chewed it up, and then vomited it on the floor. Because that's how ridiculous it is to even have this conversation. You know, what is it based on? Well, let me see. Take a look at the newsreader that's got two armed Taliban gunmen behind him. You know, that picture really says it all. The door-to-door executions don't do it for you? Or is it maybe, I don't know, uh, the fact that women have been banned from uh, public life again, that there's no entertainment and music and singing. You know, they suck all the joy out of living these people. And not only that, this is the part that is really quite something. It is the U.S. that we don't know what we've promised these people. There are secret amendments to this deal that U.S. presidential envoy Zomal Khalilzad agreed to. We don't know what the head of the CIA told Mullah Baradar from the Taliban when he met with him, um, you know, not so long in Kabul. We don't know what assurances and guarantees were given. But you know what we do know? We do see the U.S. moving towards recognizing this as a legitimate government, while at the very same moment, America's allies for the last few decades are in the Panjshir Valley fighting the Taliban with the weapons that we supplied. So now these people are being, I mean, these are Afghan special operations soldiers and others who were trained by the United States, trained by us, who were equipped by us, who were fighting side by side with us. Now they're fighting us because we are now on the side of the Taliban and they're at risk and they're at risk of being overrun and outgunned and, you know, and everything else. And they now have been completely betrayed and abandoned. Whereas the Taliban is fighting on the one side, they have the U.S., their strongest ally, and who's pressuring through every uh, means it can, is pressuring every neighboring country not to assist uh, the, the resistance, not to assist the Afghan, the acting Afghan president, Amrullah Saleh, or Ahmed, Shah, Ahmed Massoud, the son of Ahmed Shah Massoud, who's leading the resistance. They're pressuring these countries not to assist any of them. They're pressuring them not to take Afghan refugees. The Taliban has locked down Afghanistan. And then they stand up at the podium and they lie and they lie and they lie to the point where it's almost like, what was that film, The Truman Show, you know, where you're living in this little world and don't let reality intrude. Don't let the facts get in the way of a good story. You know, I posted some video of the recent fighting on Twitter which came from the ground, from eyewitnesses who actually captured it in battle, and it was vetted by U.S. sources. It, was, it went through intelligence channels in the U.S. It was backed up by Al-Qaeda and the Taliban's own networks and reports. Um, it had the foreign fighters that they posted going into this battle, glowing about it, their threats to murder all these uh, people fighting and to enslave their women. And I got flagged by Twitter for, what did they say? Uh, oh, this post, you know, uh, maybe out of context, it's lacking context. Because I pointed out that the Secretary of Defense, Lloyd Austin, who, by the way, more than anybody knows 
that the Afghan forces don't lack the will to fight. And I'm not talking about the Afghan, the regular army, which definitely had its issues. I'm talking about the thousands of Afghan commandos and special operations forces and specialized task forces that were created by the United States who know America's TTPs, their tactics, their techniques and procedures, who know how we think on the battlefield, who know how we operate. We were there so long that we didn't just train these units, we trained trainers and then we trained their trainers to be trainers. So we created a capability in Afghanistan that is now in the hands of the Taliban. It's not just the weapons, it's not just the intelligence systems, you know, it's not just the biometrics and how we do that, that uh, is now in the hands of, not, of the Taliban, Al-Qaeda, the Chinese, the Russians, the Pakistanis, the Iranians. It's not just all of that. It's that we are betraying these people in a way that will create hatred that will never, ever, ever be erased. Afghans remember everything. It is one of the things that you learn to really love about them because they will be there for you through thick and thin. The very same Afghans who I hired or who I worked with or who I lived with, the Afghan commanders and soldiers I lived with on the battlefield 20 years ago, they're still the people I'm trying to save today. They have never walked away from me and I will never walk away from them. And I was there when we went into village after village after village saying to the Afghans, sorry we abandoned you after you know, the defeat of the Soviets and the Soviet withdrawal. We'll never do it again. Trust us, believe in us. We are your brother, we are your partner, we are your ally. And now, not only have we betrayed that promise that was made in the name of the United States of America with the American flag, what we have done is we have locked these people into their country. We've taken all of those biometrics and records that every Afghan, by the way, who worked on a US base as a contractor or a cleaner or a carpenter or a cook or whatever it was, every Afghan that served with us, every Afghan that was in a diplomatic position, every Afghan in the US embassy, these people were vetted. Their biometrics were taken. All these people out there on all these shows saying, oh my goodness, look at all these terrorists climbing under the planes. They're not even Afghans, some of them. Nonsense. This is propaganda that is being fed to fan the flames of the right so that people on the right are not paying attention. And of course, people on the left are not paying attention because we're all being canalized into our, you know, divisive channels. And what we're ignoring is that these people are being hunted. These people who served with the U.S. Do you know, Steve, can you imagine this, Doug? Imagine that there are soldiers, special operations commanders, who were wounded in battle, fighting with us a few months ago, in the last few months, who are in hospital today, abandoned by the U.S. Their salaries haven't been paid. They can't pay their medical bills. Their families are being hunted. They're being hunted, some of them too wounded to flee. What would you feel? How would you feel about the people, the government, the nation that did that to you? The Biden administration knows exactly what they're doing right now. They're, they are not doubling down, they're not backtracking. They're not saying, oh my goodness, look at all these desperate Africans. What have we done? This didn't go as planned and we need to take action here to stop this. That's not what they're doing. No, what they're doing is lying about it. They are pretending because to their followers, 
to the people who don't listen to your show or who never watch Fox News or who only, you know, sort of um, stay in certain circles, they don't know that half of this is happening. They literally believe that when the president says, we did an amazing job withdrawing and our only other option was an endless war and Americans were tired of war. And so, you know, we, sh we can't make the Afghans believe in democracy if we want. It's a failed experiment. Excuse me? Excuse me? The desire of people everywhere on earth to live freely does not belong to America. It wasn't invented by America. It is a human condition. The Spartans fought for the right to live freely. But what America is, or what America was, was the beacon, the light of that idea of freedom for the whole world. And as the acting president of Afghanistan, Amrullah Saleh, said to me in an interview just a few months ago, America is the light for people everywhere. If the light goes out here, the whole world is in darkness. And he talked about America as a generous nation, a nation of compassion that shares its wealth, that shares its, its homes, that shares its understanding. And, is, and what has happened to us, to all of us, is that we have been redefined on the world stage. What you are looking at is the end of American power, the end of authority, moral authority, influence. You, are, you may be a superpower, but you're only using 10% of your advanced military capability. What's the point of having the other 90%? What is the point? There is none. We're isolated on the world stage. Our allies don't trust us. Nobody would dare sign up to help us uh, in their right minds because when we're done with them, we'll just, we won't just betray you. We'll lock the doors, hand over everything your enemies need and let them slit your throats while we elevate your enemy at terrorist, terrorist groups backed by the most powerful adversaries this nation has. And we will elevate you to the, the status of a nation state while we betray our allies. And not only that, but we will lie to our people for you. So for me, my opinion, based on my experience and what I know and what I've seen is that the only people that hate this country more than Al-Qaeda and all of their, the other people who share their ideology are the people in this country who are doing this to America today. Well, Laura, one of the things that is really problematic too is you've been getting phone calls from people you know that you love and a lot of them are dead or they're, they're running for their lives. What's this, the people that you were embedded with, the military, you know a lot of them, they're your friends, you've worked with them, you've been in the battlefield with them, but what is the, the attitude of the American servicemen and women over there right now who are absolutely livid that they're, they're supposedly fighting to defend the freedoms of America? What kind of response are you getting back from them? The response is pretty much universal, Steve. Um, you know, these soldiers faced a choice and it, it was instant. They made it instinctively. There are active duty service members and veterans who couldn't live with themselves and cannot live with this. So they're doing everything humanly possible to help as many people as they can. The best way I can describe it is for all of you who know and have seen the extraordinary series Band of Brothers. This is a band of brothers and it is a band of brothers that stretches from the Afghan battlefield to every state in this nation. 
and it goes beyond the active duty and beyond the veterans to every decent American and every decent person from the vineyards of California to the flyover country that they hate so much on the coast to uh, literally um, people you would never expect. Democrats, Republicans, independents. This is not a partisan issue. This is about who we are as a nation and who you are as a person. You know, I don't know about you, Steve, but I don't betray my friends. That's not what kind of person I am. I don't betray my colleagues. You know, America, what is the ultimate symbol? Who created the superheroes? Who created Captain America and Marvel Comics and Superman, you know, Batman, Spider-Man? I mean, that is how America has always been defined. And I, you know, I'm a South African. I'm an immigrant who made my home here. My children are born here and uh, my husband is from here. And I have lived the ideals of America all my life as a, as a white South African growing up in a country I couldn't live with myself until there was you know, equal rights and freedom and justice for everyone. And I saw those ideals being fought for. I saw people who embodied them. I know what this means. When the, when the president of Afghanistan says to me, this nation is the light for all of us, I was part of that world that, that is being cast into darkness. Do you remember what Winston Churchill said uh, during the Second World War when he said, uh, the lights are going out all over Europe? and they may never be lit again in our lifetime. Steve and Doug, I can only tell you that after weeks of trying to help people who were on the run, good people who have stood by America, who believe in living free, who are Muslim and who are Afghan and proud Afghans and have given everything, these people, you cannot imagine what it was like to be trying to help them and move them to gates where there are notices coming out of the U.S. from the State Department and other avenues saying, go to this gates, they'll be opened. And having this hope, having to take people out of hiding, take them out of their safe houses, take them with their children, move them into these places, get them all to the right places, move them again when the Taliban is coming. The Taliban, you're on the phone with them and the Taliban is beating them, beating their children, whipping the women, and this is all in full view of U.S. soldiers. This is at the gates of the airport. People really don't understand that here are the gates of the airport all around. And at all these different gates are U.S. soldiers. And the Taliban comes and they're, they're trapped. And they flank them and they're, they're behind them. And the entire time you're going to the Pentagon, the White House, the State Department, congressmen, to senators. You're going to JSOC to Fort Bragg, to the Special Operations Command, and veterans are calling generals, and everybody is begging the U.S. not to turn their back on not just the American citizens, not just the special interest visas, but the priority one and priority two categories that the State Department has, who are people that, these are the most vulnerable, the most high-risk Afghans, people who worked in the intelligence agencies, you know, who worked hand in hand helping um, this country. And they're at the gates. And the only thing standing between them and safety are those gates and those American forces. And they're screaming for help, begging for help. I'm screaming down the phone, trying to talk to these soldiers. And what do I hear? Get back or we'll shoot you. Get back or we'll shoot. 
That's, and they're screaming. They're saying they're going to shoot us. They're going to shoot us. They're going to shoot us. And I'm like, you're unarmed civilians. These are American soldiers. They cannot shoot you. They will not shoot you. It would be a war crime. What must we do? What must we do? And, you know, the, uh, in one place, the suicide bomb went off and there's gunfire, the children are screaming, people are running. I mean, all of these families, I know one uh, friend, a veteran who was trying to help people, two of the families that she was helping were wiped out. I mean, they were killed. So when you're making these decisions, when you've got, you know, I've got 165 people I'm trying to help, many of whom work for 60 Minutes, some of whom work for the US government, um, many of whom actually assisted the US government, helped to build their bases and build their diplomatic facilities and commanded Afghan forces. These are people who've been vetted. These are people who, uh, by the way, I love when the State Department says they need to have an S-1 approved visa application and where's their paperwork. Do you know that the people who've been in the fight, who literally, who were fighting up until a few weeks ago, they don't have paperwork, Steve, because they didn't want to leave. They risk everything to fight for their country to fight for Afghanistan. And they've never applied for a visa. And now you know what they are? They're screwed. And when people, when Kabul was uh, collapsing because the Taliban came in and Al-Qaeda, they came in with bucket loads of money from Qatar and from Pakistan and from China, and they bought their way in. They also knew exactly what the US plan for withdrawal was. We asked the Taliban to give our forces protection so they knew where to be, where to stage, when to attack, when not to attack. They had the timeline. I mean, this isn't, this isn't just a betrayal. This is literally the, the greatest adversary that our allies today in Afghanistan have is the United States of America. And beneath all of this is this sense of deep, deep, deep uh, pain and betrayal. Because, you know, it's kind of like when someone you really care about does something to you that they shouldn't. And you know the friendship is over because there's no coming back from it. Because it says to you that this person isn't what you thought. They aren't who they say they are. And, uh, you know, you would be, I mean, you would be so foolish to believe them again because the depth of the betrayal is unimaginable. Well, that's where we are right now. And I want to bring it back for this last point to this. The hatred that that breeds will survive for generations. When you combine that with the capability that we have given these people to not just train soldiers who know how we fight and know how we think, but train the trainers so that they can keep these people. We can keep armies, terrorist armies that will fight us forever. Your children, my children, our grandchildren, beyond that, our great grandchildren, you know, and at, a, at the same moment, no one trusts us. You can't do it alone. The United States is no longer a superpower. We just don't know what we're looking at. Because without the bases in Kyrgyzstan and Tajikistan and Uzbekistan, without the convoys that can come through and the supply lines and the logistics and everything, you know, if you're, if you're attacked on every front all over the world, if China takes Taiwan and Israel is attacked by Iran and others, you know, how are you going to defend yourself if you're spread thin across the world? You're going to need allies. And you're going to need allies that are really your allies, not just your allies in name, but secretly making deals behind your back with other people. And make no mistake, right? Pakistan is Al-Qaeda and the Taliban's number one ally. 
This is their invasion. This is their proxy army. I mean, where are the leadership of the Taliban? Where have they been located for the last 20 years? In the Pakistani cities of Quetta, Peshawar, and Miram Shah. And, you know, the U.S. could find an ISIS bomb maker in a couple of hours, right? This is the, the president of Afghanistan, Amrullah Saleh, said this. They found one ISIS chicken in, uh, in a few hours. But in 20 years, they couldn't find the leadership of the Taliban inside Pakistan, right? You couldn't find any of them. Couldn't find any of those Al-Qaeda guys either who have now come back, right? So, you know, for all those people who think this is about endless war, don't be deceived by the people betraying you because they intend to destroy this country. Who will fight for this kind of military? Who wants their child? Would you encourage your child to go into the army today? I already know the answer to that. You know, a Green Beret I spoke to yesterday, his daughter deregistered uh, from ROTC. That is what they want. Because the people who hate this country, they, their agenda is actually, they wrap it up in lots of nice big bows, you know, and say it's about social justice and this and that. But what it's really about is the end of American power and the end of America itself. If you believe in an open border, if you believe that any form of patriotism is white supremacy and a form of terrorism and hate, then you don't believe in borders. Then you don't believe in America, do you? You don't believe in the flag. You don't believe in patriotism. That's not what you believe in. Well, you're in luck because your greatest allies in this fight are the terrorists who carried out the attack on 9-11 and who, who don't intend to stop until this country no longer exists. Steve, Steve, easily, easily the most uh, important several minutes in broadcasting history, I believe, uh, with Lara. Uh, we've got about uh, four minutes left, Steve, so go ahead. Well, Lara, just absolutely, uh, you made the statement, and we're losing allies all over the world. People, when Afghanistan fell, and I'm talking about we, we bailed on the people, tell what comes next. What I see, all the building blocks for, well, the U.S. has been uh, really carrying out a shaping operation to justify uh, recognizing the Taliban Islamic Emirate as the, the legitimate government of Afghanistan. When they do that, the betrayal will be um, set, in a sense, because now um, that will give them an unprecedented level of uh, power and credibility. And they are right next to Iran. And what people um, probably don't know is that, for example, the head of intelligence for the Taliban is in this new uh, emirate is very close to the leader of the IRGC in Iran. In fact, um, one of the senior advisors to um, the new head of the Taliban's emirate is another person very close to the head of the IRGC in Iran. And the two of them ran the Taliban's training camps that were set up and run by the IRGC inside Tehran, right? So these links are very, very close. If you read, uh, if you go onto Jihadi websites and or read any of the analysts who study them, Hezbollah and Hamas and all of these other people, this is the greatest victory they have ever seen. It goes beyond any of their wildest dreams. As formidable as Hezbollah is, they have never achieved anything of this nature. And on their own, it would have been impossible. Without the United States, none of this would have been possible. Like we had to do this in order for it to happen. 
And what I often say to people, especially when they are, you know, this has been devastating uh, for so many people because Americans are good at heart. They are, and they do strive to be uh, a great nation. And they do have a real sense of humanity. Um, and this has been stripped from every one of us. And just because you're going about your daily business and you know, you're switching channels and, or you want to blame, you know, point at Trump and this and Biden and Obama and whatever, whatever, you know, and you want to be in your camps and play into their hands, it doesn't change the fact that this is happening. It is happening. The United States today is the most shameful nation on earth. It is defined entirely by this moment of betrayal and drenched in the blood of our allies and our own soldiers, our own people. We have dishonored those who died on 9-11. We've dishonored everybody who fought for them. We've dishonored the wounded who are still living with their injuries. I mean, remember there are soldiers in this country whose faces were burned off. I mean, I know soldiers who've got half a body and sometimes an arm missing and maybe their eyesight too. I mean, this isn't um, just about Afghanistan and it never was just about Afghanistan. What you are going to see happen is all of these terrorist organizations and the nation states who are standing by them, they are now no longer afraid of the United States of America. They do not fear the US. You have US soldiers deployed across the Middle East. These bases, these uh, units, um, they're all at risk because nobody fears the US anymore. They don't fear us because they know we're eating ourselves alive from within. They know that we are their greatest ally in the dismantling of America and not just the United States, but the idea of freedom itself, the idea of living freely and aspiring to that has been uh, destroyed because no one in any oppressed country anywhere, why would you have the courage to stand up and risk everything to fight for that if the greatest nation on earth that embodies freedom has told you it's not worth fighting for? And by the way, when they come for you, not only will we betray you, not only will we not stand by you, but we're going to take the knife for them. We're gonna hold it for them and let them get better adjusted to make sure they have a good grip as they slit your throat. I mean, what else is giving them the lists of everyone who has applied for special interest visas to the United States? What is that? You know what it is? As one veteran said to me, we're all struggling. We've got these manifests, you've got families, you're, you know, you're listing people on a hundred different manifests to try and get them vetted and to get them on these planes. And you're trying to tell families that start with five family members. Then they say they've got nine family members and you say, well, you can't bring nine family members. What are you going to say to them? Choose, choose which of your children get to live and which get to die. Which of your brothers, which of your sisters, is it going to be your mother or is it going to be your wife? You know, this is what we've been asking people to do. And we've all got these lists. And one of them, uh, one of his, one of them said to me, my guy was looking at me. This is a Delta. This is a Delta operator, right? He said, my guy's looking at me and we're trying to do these lists. And he says to me, I feel like I'm holding Schindler's list in my hand. Wow. And we are, we are holding Schindler's list in our hands. 
all of us who are trying to help these people. And what happened with Schindler's List? The Americans gave that list to the Nazis, didn't they? That's what we've done.